Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man! And just like that, the Watching Comics Podcast is back, where we bring you the most trusted takes and opinions on the intersection of comic book entertainment hitting your screens, both big and small because it is the 21st century and watching comic books is literally a thing. It's an exciting time to be alive. My name is Mitch, my co-host is Jake, and tonight we have a really special treat for you. I am stoked, but first, Jake, man, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty okay. Uh, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm staying very busy. Pretty okay. That's, that's an honest answer. <laughs> I feel like on. that's the top, like that's the peak experience in 2020 is pretty okay right like if this were any other year i'd be living large awesome jake i'm glad you're swimming above the water there you're doing okay i'm holding on still working from home still doing our bit here um but man i don't want to i don't want to delay the inevitable too much longer we've got a really cool important guest with us jake i'm stoked yeah me too this is a really exciting one and all of our guests are exciting this one is extra exciting in in a few ways for me Yes, 100%. So uh, we are happy to bring to you today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, Benjamin L. Clark. Benjamin is a awesome human being. He is active on the Twitter, and he is the curator of the Charles M. Schultz Museum and Research Center. He is a native Nebraskan. He's happy to be living in Northern California, though, and I don't blame him, and reading comic book strips for a living. That sounds really cool. Um, he's worked in museums since 2003. He is married to journalist Susan Minicello. I hope I said that correctly. If I didn't, Benjamin, tell me I butchered it. And they have a son. A kid. Oh, awesome. Sweet. And they have a son, a kindergartner. So Benjamin is living the dream in California as the curator of the Charles M. Schultz Museum. Benjamin, welcome to the Watching Comics Podcast. We are so excited you're here. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Man, what an intro. <laughs> yeah, you, you weren't on, on the, the meeting portal for all of my Ron Burgundy warm-ups beforehand. Like we were, I was prepping. <laughs> thank you again for joining us. You are the curator of the Charles M. Schultz Museum, which is crazy cool. So yeah. I'm wondering, um, obviously, those of you listening to the Watching Comics podcast, this episode in particular, you either read the title or read the description. You know we're here talking about Peanuts and Charles Schultz and all the awesomeness that surrounds that nostalgic greatness. But Benjamin, I I'm interested. You you're a native Nebraskan. You made your way to Northern California, and you're literally living in the world of Peanuts, which is just so <laughs> cool. What what is what is the story behind that? How did you end up there, man? Oh, I, you know, I, I sometimes pinch myself, you know, I have to, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been working in museums for a long time and they, they just, they needed a, a curator, uh, who could, you know, manage a team and, um, it didn't hurt that I'd, I had worked in some other pop culture-y kind of areas a little bit and, um, but also I, I had been a curator at World War II Museum and, uh, which, uh, Schultz was a World War II veteran and, and that kind of, uh, you know, touched a note, I think, with his widow, who's uh, Jeannie Schultz, who's still around and still mm -hmm. involved in the museum. Mm -hmm. And um, and they also, it was really funny, too, because they're like, oh, you're just, you're just so Midwestern. It's just so great. <laughs> 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 Which, He's one know, of us, Jake. He's one of us. Yeah. 
don't you don't hear that a lot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Was it the accent that gave me away? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you it's know what? Like, in, oh, it's that work ethic. <laughs> in the world, in the world of Charlie Brown, though, where the best stories take place in the thick of winter, and they're worried about upsetting other people and just wanting to be good, like that's that's it right there. You know, and Charles Schultz never. He, you know, he grew up in the in the Twin Cities, and um, you know, it's funny to me listening to him, uh, like listening to old interviews, like even into you know, really toward the end of his life, and he still sounds like a, a Minnesotan. You know, he. He had lived in uh, here in Sonoma County for decades. You know, he never dropped the accent. Like he never lost it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you hold on to the roots and you never let them go. That is so cool. That's right. That's well, right. <laughs> well, Benjamin, we are super excited to have you on. Thank you so much. But uh, w one of the cool reasons why you're here is not just because of the connection we've got. Benjamin is not only from Nebraska, but he went to the same college that Jake and I went to, but a little bit before our time. So we've got this weird little like circle of connections going on here but also um if you've been following on our twitter at watch comics pod comics with an x um you know that the the peanuts movie arrived on disney plus last weekend and this was just a great opportunity to not only celebrate that underrated movie which we'll get to here in a little bit but also just kind of pick the brain of someone who literally lives in the world of the peanuts arena which is really cool so we're, we're going to dish on the peanuts movie we're also going to talk about the background of charles schultz a little bit here but jake i know that you were super excited about this episode as well jake do you um, I do just want to say that like, this is such a fascinating opportunity to me to, to kind of hear from a literal expert on something about this intersection with, with comic and film. And so, um, no, I, I think let's just let it take its course, but I, I'm very excited. I'll say that. For sure. For sure. So I want to, I want to start with just kind of at the beginning for everything, both Benjamin and Jake, like what is your history with the peanuts world? Maybe Benjamin, you can kick us off. Like what, what's your history? What do you remember about um, being exposed to peanuts at an early age? And like, what, what did that mean something to you in your childhood? That sort of thing. Like, how did you get introduced to this arena? Well, I, um, yeah, I, I loved peanuts as a kid, of course. And um you know, my house uh, growing up, uh, my my folks had several paperback collections of of um, uh, of peanuts, but they also had a lot of BC by Johnny Hart. And mm -hmm. um, you know, I was a voracious reader, and uh, you know, you, you're you're going to read those first, of course. So, uh, you know, I, I read a lot of those, and uh, was also a fan of the daily you know comics page in the newspaper uh my dad would bring it home from the office most days and um and we took the sunday paper at home and of course uh my growing up years uh coincide with like the like the debut and meteoric rise of calvin and Hobbes. so yes. like the sunday <laughs> was like the sunday comic was <laughs> to be missed like you know at my school you know we talked about calvin and Hobbes, and we talked about the comics and uh and but peanuts was one of those comics where like it, it just always was it just was always there it just you know it never seemed to have a beginning or an end and um you know from for my childhood at least and, and my growing up years and it was the comic that you know i'd get clippings of you know from my grandmother you know <laughs> This <laughs> is like, yeah, I, I get, I get the same paper, Grandma. I get the same. <laughs> but Grandma didn't want you to miss the it's lesson the you to be learned there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So you know, it's, it's. Uh, 
so it was always there. And, and of course, you know, you love the classic, you know, specials that, you know, the Christmas special and the Halloween special, you know, those were, I love those. And uh, we, can, we can get more into that down the road probably. But um, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. You know, it was just kind of always there. And then uh, when, when Schultz died in 2000, uh, that was one of those things that actually really hit me. Um, mm. and, and I kind of realized, you know, because the strip, there, you know, there's articles and articles about, wow, this one guy wrote all those strips for all these years, and, and we're going to just, we're just going to start recycling them now, because it, it was too, it was too precious to him to hand off to anyone else, and, and we think it's worth just recycling it, and, um, and I remember that very clearly, because, you know, I was 20 at that point, and so I, I, it was like, wow, that's a, that's a testament, you know, that's something, and, uh, so it was just really interesting to me. And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of my background with Peanuts gang. It's awesome. And, and, and you, you framed something, and I think it ends up being like the perfect thesis to the concept, which is it was just always there. And yeah. I think that's a good way to capture it because like it, I know Jake's going to kind of vamp on his experience here in a little bit, but like, I'll be completely honest. I did not jump into the Peanuts bandwagon until I was much older. For whatever reason, I don't know if it was the animation style or I just wasn't into that kind of comics or what, but like Peanuts just wasn't really my jam, but I was completely aware of it and I knew the names of all the characters and I knew the circumstances around some of the famous storylines, right? Because Peanuts just superseded yeah. into the general consciousness. It broke through and it was just always there as you kind of put it. Jake, I don't, I don't know about you. I, I think I'm probably in the minority where I wasn't as much of a fanboy growing up and came into it a lot later. Like, what, what's your history, Jake, with getting introduced to the Peanuts world? My mom, from like as long as I can remember, had this giant collection of Peanuts cartoons, like the old, or of strips. Like, I don't, you know, and so I was a kid. I'm 34 now. I want to say that it went like straight back to what, the beginning. That's how it felt as a child. I have no idea if that's even a product that exists. Shout out to but your I mom remember... for keeping the OG comic strip. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And she had this giant hardbound book of it that I would just go through and just really enjoyed. And I remember as as a kid, I actually, I think I went in reverse. I was exposed to comic books before comic strips. And so, you know, I, when I started reading through these, I remember being like, okay, so what's the, what's the continuity here, right? So like, who's, who did this to whom? And I'm trying to decipher it all. And there's just a- The Charlie Brown uh, extended universe. <laughs> yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of the approach that, yeah, as a kid, that's kind of how I tried to read it. And then I started realizing like that there was just this, beautiful simplicity to it um and not not a like a totally positive simplicity like doing more with less and mm -hmm. with just those few panels to to tell a complete story always blew my mind like the economy of it and then the other connection that i have to it is that the um the peanuts uh, or excuse me the charlie brown christmas album um, by the Vince Guaraldi trio is yeah. one of my Shout absolute, out. yeah, there's a <laughs> reference for you, is one of my all-time absolute favorite collections of music. And uh, it's what, August? So my family knows that it's going to start playing in a week or so. And <laughs> I 
I mean, I've got it on vinyl. I've got it on my computer. I've got so many versions of it. A little bit of context for our listeners and for you, Benjamin. Um, For those of you that don't know, and I mean this in the best way possible, Jake loves Christmas. And I mean, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people. And I don't know if I've met anybody that exudes Christmas cheer more than the Jake. To be fair, the tree isn't going up in September. We're we're not crazy around here. I mean, (laughs) yes, I I have three Christmas presents that I've already purchased, but. uh, That's awesome. So, Benjamin, I'm, I'm interested in your work as curating the Charles Schultz Museum, which just still seems like the coolest job title ever. Um, but like you, you're not just living in this world, but then you're also, you are at the forefront of both preserving the rich history and legacy of something that really has a lasting impact, but also getting to be on the front lines of expanding this awareness to people and introducing it to people at the same time. And like, I I don't know when, when it comes to your job and what you see from your desk, when we're not in quarantine and trying to stay 35 feet away from everybody, like what, what, what's the coolest part about doing what you do and working with people as they get exposed to peanuts? Uh, hands down. It is seeing the original artwork, uh, like all the time. Um, and uh, being able to just, you know, get you know, nose deep, you know, into Schultz's line and uh, being able to look at some of these that look, I mean, just as they look so fresh, like they have just come off his, his drafting table. And um, it's unbelievable. And then uh, it's also a lot of fun to kind of connect up across the collections and across yeah. experiences and, and to see things were like you know like being here in Sonoma County and and you know talking to some guy who's like, oh yeah I used to bowl with with uh with Sparky that was, that was his nickname that's what his nickname was his whole life and um <laughs> in fact I, I might drift into calling him Sparky because I'm kind of used to that a little bit so that's awesome um it's like uh yeah yeah I used to bowl with Sparky and and uh did you know he was uh He's going to buy a bowling lane one time, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wait, no, I've never heard that. Like, that's not true. <laughs> and then, like, later on, there's, like, a strip that pops up in 1962 where, like, Snoopy's planning on buying a bowling alley for some reason. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> and if there's then, anybody yeah. that needs a bowling alley, it's that beagle, right? <laughs> right, right. And then it's like, wait, okay, so, you know, the strip is super autobiographical. And so... It's like, oh boy, okay, let me go dig in the, you know, Sebastopol newspaper, which is the, the town, town where he was living in 62 here in Sonoma County. And, and, uh, and sure enough, there's like, there's like a little like notes and rumors column where it's like, ooh, the L&L bowling alley might become the LNS with Charles Schultz showing some interest in purchasing or something <laughs> like, oh, are you kidding me? It's like, wow, okay, so that's a weird little side thing. That's and, awesome. Jake, you mentioned, obviously, that, that you got exposed to, to peanuts at an early age, too. I, I'm interested in kind of pivoting here to the Peanuts movie, right? So the, the movie dropped on Disney+. Plus. It released in 2015. Um, it got generally good reviews. It's got a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, which is pretty favorable, but it also doesn't have a ton of reviews because not a lot of people are watching it to the same degree that, like, Pixar is because just kind of the way the beast goes. But, like, yeah. Jake... Jake, from your standpoint, do you think that this movie holds up 
to the source material fairly well. I hate you so much for asking me before him. Um, <laughs> That's what I, makes I, it fun. I, you monster. Um, I seriously on the drive home was like, oh, I'm not going to talk about what I thought until the expert does. Okay, fine. I'll go. Um, so the, the feeling that I got was that this thing, it, it felt to me, yeah, it felt authentic to me. It felt like in such a good way. It felt like it, it got back to like the, it just was so beautifully simple right and it's it's a a kid trying to uh, trying to overcome some self confidence issues it's it's kids doing kids stuff it's a dog pretending that he's a fighter pilot um and it, and it remained just it felt timeless to me and it felt like something that like it, it felt like it could have been made before i was born it felt like it could have been made yesterday. I thought the animation was really fun. It felt authentically peanuts while still looking more like something that it, it caught my kids' attention immediately. Mm -hmm. And they tend to, it, sometimes it can be a bit of a push for them to watch something older and then they'll sit down and love it. But um, yeah, I thought, and it, and it had just this really like kind of sweet resol resolution to it where the the big twist ending was just, you know, you're more than your failures. And it was this, it, there wasn't some deep conspiracy or crazy thing going on. And I, I just loved that simplicity that, to that's it. That's enough for us. I mean, for you and I, I know we're suckers for that. So like, we're, we're yeah. going to take that <laughs> hook, line, and sinker every time. I think the interesting thing about it is like, Peanuts has never been known as that flashy source of entertainment, right? It's silly without being wild, but it's much more nuanced than we sometimes give it credit for and the movie well, yeah. the movie really leans into that well i think it's not going to make you know a lot of those best of lists and it's not going to be you know a pixar type of film but it's not supposed to be because it's it's delightful it's full of heart and it reinvigorates the familiar while also saluting rich history and i feel like it's just balanced and really well done was kind of my overall takeaway with the movie in a vacuum right so we kind of have that lens of are we looking at this movie in a vacuum and then also look at it from the concept of does it salute and celebrate all that we love about peanuts and and me as someone who wasn't as as heavily invested in it as some of the others have been benjamin i'm really interested to hear like i'm sure that y you feel like the movie has great entertainment value but i i'm really interested to see like do, jake and i kind of gushing over it does it does it make sense that it still both celebrates what what schultz had envisioned with his original comic strip Absolutely. I mean, this, this film is, is really awesome and I love it. Uh, it's, um, Jake, just what you said, the animation style was a complete departure, you know, from previous animated projects and, uh, doing it in CGI, do it in, doing it in 3D. Um, you know, these characters are not, not meant to be a 3D. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Schultz himself was just like, you know, when he'd go visit the animators at the animation studio, you know, he'd just shake his head, you know, he's just like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> he acknowledged that, like, animation is a completely, completely different thing than, than what he was doing as a cartoonist. And, uh, and you know, Bill, uh, Bill Melendez would, you know, gripe at him sometimes about, like, why, why, why are their arms so short? You know, I can't, I can't have them hold anything, <laughs> you know, and, 
And he's like, well, I don't know. You, you figure it out. You're the animator. <laughs> <laughs> Make it work, man. Champions yeah. adjust. That's right. And that's, and that's what he did, you know, and uh, Bill Melendez was a, was a genius for sure. And um, so he, you know, and, and, the, and these, and the folks at Blue Sky did the same thing, you know, they, mm-hmm. they re-reinterpret it again. And, uh, and I love their interpretation of it. It's so good. Um, the characters look the way they should, like there's not some kind of weird, uh, something that, whereas a fan and somebody who even, even like me, you know, if you, if you really poured over the strip and, and gotten pretty deep with it, you know, your brain doesn't like reject it, you know, right. <laughs> nope, nope, that's not it, you know, uh, like, like, like you would with like pirated knockoff toys from, you know, some, some very poor country, you know, it's like, it's like, no, no, this is still, you know, this is, this is peanut. And I think that's part of what what gives it that endearing quality. I, there's a lot to un, unpack there, but like, I, I think, I don't know, it, it sounds like it can't be understated how much work goes into taking something that's inherently simplistic and two-dimensional and making it look completely lived in and the same, but still CGI and three-dimensional. Like, that's a lot of attention to detail and care and intention behind all that in order to make it look completely like Charlie Brown and the gang, even though we're watching them in a way that it's not what Charlie Brown and the gang were imagined for. Right. 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 Yeah. And it's, it's so fascinating to me, uh, you know, to, to look at this and say, you know, the characters are solidly, you know, classic, you know, eighties, nineties model characters for peanuts, uh, kind of late style, but the like the backgrounds, you know, like Schultz stopped drawing backgrounds, you know, like in the seventies, you know, just, <laughs> I, I don't need them. You know, he didn't have time you, for that. Just, yeah, exactly. But you know, you go back and look at the strip, like in the fifties. I mean, the strip started in nineteen fifty, and you, you go back to those like fifties and uh, you know earlier sixties strips, especially on the Sundays. Like some of those backgrounds are just bonkers. I mean, he. He was a, you know, he was a, a very well uh, trained draftsman. You know, he, he his neighborhoods are gorgeous. You know, <laughs> they're just <laughs> everything is be, symmetrical. You know? Oh yeah, but like there's a fluidity to the trees and the sidewalks go the way they should, and you're just like, wow, that's just incredible. And then you know, you could definitely see him later on just going like, why am I doing this? I don't need to do this. <laughs> so backgrounds in the CGI film, the 2015 film. They definitely took a ton of inspiration from those earlier, more detailed backgrounds by mm-hmm. Schultz. So, mm-hmm. like, it's like they, they kind of successfully blended kind of that earlier influence uh, art in the backgrounds, but uh, use those later style characters that would be more familiar to to audiences. So, Jake, you know when we when we watch things for this uh, podcast, I like to keep running notes of things that that run through my head. The interesting thing about this was I was watching this with my four year old daughter because this was one I actually could watch with her, right? And that was really cool. <laughs> and and Benjamin, before we it's go, like I, this and Superman and nothing else. Pretty much, that's about it. But um, and, and Benjamin, I did um, I do have a question to ask you from my daughter before we go tonight. So we're gonna we're gonna get that on oh, the yeah. episode. But um, yeah. Um, Jake, one thing I couldn't help but write down in more than one occasion during my notes was the concept of when Charlie Brown is talking about himself, when he's talking to Snoopy and he says things like something 
she is something, I am nothing. Or he says, I can't decide if they like me for who I am or who they think I am. Or one moment I'm the hero, the next I'm the goat. When he says lines like that, I can't help but wonder, is part of, is Charlie Brown the patron saint of millennials? Like, is he, is he the quintessential <laughs> deep feeler with anxiety? And he plays the comparison games. He has big dreams, but he struggles with ex- execution. Um, the little things are everything, but sometimes they ruin everything. Am I crazy or is that not millennial adulthood? Like, is that why Charlie Brown is still surviving? <laughs> hold, hold on. Your daughter asked that? <laughs> no. <laughs> because <laughs> my son just said to tell benjamin good job i'm not sure he understands that he wasn't in the movie uh, <laughs> um, that's, that's I, so funny um actually no i should have clarified as as cool as it would be for, for my four we were eating dinner while we watched it. we had a picnic in front of the uh, the movie and it would have been really funny for her to look over at me while she took a bite of her dinner and be like dad is that really what it's like in your head all the time but that's not what she said <laughs> but, but I, I think i think there's something to that like this resonates and i think uh, you know i mean my my kids and i i'm i'm the sort of obnoxious dad that tries to make a lesson out of everything so I was like, okay, so how do you think Charlie Brown felt here? And what do you think he was feeling here? And, and the whole time I'm thinking like, man, I don't know if this is relatable to a five-year-old, but I freaking get it. <laughs> exactly. It was like the whole narrative with Charlie Brown in this movie felt like a high level, but um, tender therapy session. And I mean that in the best way possible. It was just like, is this is this one of the real, like, there are lots of reasons behind Schultz's genius is lasting, but like, is this at the heart, or maybe Benjamin, you can speak to this too, is this at the heart of the real legacy behind Peanuts and Charlie Brown, is the fact that Charlie Brown is, even though he's an elementary school student, and there's, uh, you know, some kind of wacky hijinks in the stories, at the end of it, like, Charlie Brown is maybe kind of the quintessential everyman, where he's he's just a guy that wants to do the right thing and he wants people to like him, but he wants to be honorable and and the little things mean big things and he he's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but gosh darn it, we love him anyway. Like could could that get any more approachably every man than than Charlie Brown? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh you know, he uh and that and that was Schultz, you know, he was uh, digging into himself, you know, um, he, he, he had a daily deadline for 50 years. <laughs> and so, of course, you know, you're sitting alone in a, in a, in a, in a room to draw all day, you know, mm-hmm. and he didn't use assistants, he didn't use a writing team, he didn't use writing partner, nothing. It's just him. And he because he's a purist about that he said you know the best comic strips in the world that's that's where they came from so even when he starts in 1950 like he's super old school and uh even even for them you know like his contemporaries like Mort walker on beetle bailey you know like he had he had a team of writers and a team of artists and a team of you know there's all these other mm-hmm. people and, um and uh but, but Schultz didn't do that. And, um, just so cool. Like, and, and, and it speaks to the work, right? Like, like you said, if it's autobiographical and he's speaking from a place that he knows, and it really is him pouring himself into the page, then like that makes it feel more three-dimensional. Like that feels like an organic earned moment at that point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Cause, and, and the thing is he, 
he didn't shy away from it either. You know, it was like, these are, these are the feelings. And, and sometimes I'm able to laugh at them, you know, a dark moment. Uh, but sometimes it's just a dark moment. And um, right. <laughs> that's what I love. That's what I love about it, you know. And then Snoopy comes in with the umbrella, even though the dark cloud rolls in, which is just like so wonderful. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I keep coming back to like, I, I think the crux of the whole thing is obviously all three of us enjoy the movie. Um, so there, there's the spoiler alert for everybody. The movie's good. Watch it with your kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I keep I keep coming back to that scene in the park with the kite and the little kid and <laughs> how incredibly but simplistically poignant that really is where Charlie Brown is an expert at the kite but he's also not an expert he's more like an an expert of being disappointed and failing and yeah. he shows the kid what he knows and then spends the rest of the time going, man, I'm sure worried about this kid because he has no idea what's, what's in front of him and everything like that. And it's just like the, the simplistic allegory there is overt, but it lands. Like it doesn't feel thinly veiled and it doesn't feel like a big brick of cheese. It feels like something that is real and authentic and speaks to not just American childhood, but the concept of like, man, we're going to be disappointed a lot, aren't we? But do we still find the momentum to keep moving forward? And that just, like at the heart of it, that feels like Charlie Brown. And that to me stood out as kind of like the big banner moment of, or I guess the, the carrot that I take away from the movie. Jake, I don't know how you felt about the kite scene or if there was another big takeaway moment for the movie for you. Where are you at with that? I mean, I know that uh, that Sparky didn't make this movie. I don't know if I'm allowed to call him that, but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to grab it for a second. Um, Jake's getting pretty casual I, here. Yeah. I just want to be on first name basis with the man. It's, you yeah. know, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I know that he didn't personally make this movie, so I'm not trying to say like he was saying that, but I, my takeaway from it was like, oh, crap, somebody in the writer's room is a parent. And... Uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that is that is absolutely it. And I don't know, that scene excited my kids so much. They're like, look, he can do it. And <laughs> that that was a big deal for my family. That's awesome. Um, Benjamin, for you, what what's the big standout for the movie? Like, it, obviously, you have a very unique lens of which you're approaching this film, which is super cool. And I don't I don't expect you to remove that when you when you watch the movie. But but surely there were some sort of special moments for you when watching this that either connected the dots for you on a different level or just stood out as something that was really sharp. Yeah, but one of the things was the the incredible dedication uh, of the the team who made this movie to it's a love letter to fans you know uh people who have who have okay so like when they hired me for this job like you know i'm a fan i read it i i love the you know my two favorite specials the thing is is that there's a lot more to it <laughs> than that there's like 70 animated specials like there's you know Happy Arbor Day, Charlie Brown. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. What? You Which know, fits like, perfectly with our Nebraska identity there. Right, right. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, you know, I was kind of a, vaguely aware there were like more than, you know, my favorite two. It's like, I, oh, yeah, <laughs> Easter, Easter Beagle, Charlie, yeah, that, that rings a bell, sure. But it's like, no, there's a lot more. And, uh, and the thing with this film was that they they have they have gathered together all of this love and 
and um, detail and this rich history, you know, 17,897 comic strips and 70 odd specials and whatever else. And they have put it in this film in ways where like the super fan can literally watch it probably 20 times and find new things every time that they missed. And even looking for it, you know, it's just, it's Amazing. crazy. So to me, this, this, is a, this film is a beautiful way to introduce a new generation to Peanuts because, you know, fewer kids are going to ever encounter a newspaper, frankly. And as much as it breaks my heart to say that, it's true. <laughs> and it's also like, well, you know, let's take this rich history and, and start passing it on, you know, and, um, and leave it there for them to find later. Because it's, it's incredible. I mean, the Easter eggs on this thing is just, it's just, I, I haven't tallied it up. It's, it's some crazy, crazy, crazy number. So it's amazing. Um, and like the Herculean output by Charles Schultz is like, that is so incredible that I, it kind of defies description. But at the same yeah. time, like what you described there, Benjamin, is exactly what happened with my daughter, right? Like she had no clue what Peanuts was before I said, hey, I've got to watch this. You want to watch it with me? Let's do it. And so I showed yeah. her the trailer beforehand because she was like, daddy, can I, can I see what it's about? So I showed her a trailer and she was like, that looks fun. But she didn't know what it was. And then when the movie was done, she was like, I like this movie. Can we watch it again? Like she's, she's bought in, nice. right? She's in on nice. it. And, yeah. and that is so cool. And, and that was one thing is, as I said, I wasn't as much of a fan of Peanuts growing up. You know, and so that was one reverberating question I had in my head as I was watching the movie was, this is really sticking the landing for me. I really hope it does for people that are fans too. You know what I mean? The people that were like much more familiar with the source material. And, and Jake, it sounds like you clearly enjoyed it. Did, did it have a similar effect for your little ones? Yeah, my kids, absolutely. So I have a five and a three-year-old and um, they were both just really into this. Um, my daughter, who's the three-year-old, usually can't finish a movie. Um, she can watch up to the first half usually before she checks out, but she was in for all of this, and they laughed really hard at some of the silliness. They were really invested in it, and this this movie landed. It's an instant favorite in my house, um, and I, I also wanted to... I'm so sorry to segue just a little, but Benjamin, you were talking about uh, the 70-some-odd animated specials, and I laughed to myself because I actually remember renting all the time at my local video store in the early 90s. It's Flash Beagle, Charlie Brown, oh, yeah. uh, which oh, yeah. I'm looking... <laughs> I'm looking at a picture right now of Snoopy in a torn up t-shirt and ankle warmers on a dance floor. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that There's... was one that I can actually, I'm, I'm humming the song to myself in my head right now too. So There's like, it's... a niche shout out right there. It was amazing. <laughs> what, what's funny is I was like, I seriously said today to my wife, I was like, you know, I haven't seen Flash Beagle in like 20 years, but I'm pretty sure that this movie is better. So good for these kids. They got a, they got something really high quality to grow up on. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't watched the 2015 film yet for a Flash Beagle reference. So maybe uh, <laughs> it could be in there. I don't know. Right. Well, now we have a project. Yeah, yeah, listeners, yeah. if you're familiar with Flash Beagle, you need to watch the Peanuts movie for all the Flash Beagle Easter eggs. Surely there's at least one. <laughs> 
there's probably one in there somewhere that's amazing and, and jake you speak to the like the entertainment value of this movie and how it was able to keep the attention of both of your kids at different ages and everything and like i actually wrote this down in my notes like one of the things that i've always appreciated about peanuts is like i i really enjoy you know, performing arts and, and, and media and those sorts of things. It's where I spent most of my education and a lot of my free time. And so variety and, and craft and approach to storytelling is something that I, that I try to pay attention to. One thing that has always separated Peanuts from its counterparts is its commitment to the quote unquote silent bits. There's those skits or scenes that have absolutely no dialogue, but they are chock full of hilarity and situational humor and still tell complete stories or complete moments in some capacity. It's very reminiscent of Red Skelton or, or Looney Tunes minus the blatant destruction and violence, right? And, and it's really interesting to see how that legacy had carried on through this movie because this movie was kind of like, you know that old Hollywood adage of like, every five pages, something needs to happen in like an action movie or something needs to blow up or somebody needs to die in order to keep everyone's attention. It's almost like it takes that same approach where it's like every other scene, there needs to be something equally as entertaining, but it needs to be a little bit zanier than the previous one. And we're just going to remove all dialogue and just let people watch the visual storytelling. And that will be endearing enough. And that, that has been something that I think has been consistent through Peanuts Entertainment all the way through. But that was one thing that I absolutely loved about this movie because it really kept it from feeling one note and it celebrated um, a lot of its rich heritage in that way at the same time. Does that, does that, Benjamin, does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And it, yeah, I think that goes back to, you know, Sparky being a big, you know, Hollywood, you know, he loved movies and uh, he went to them a lot growing up. And, uh, you know, he's born in 22, so uh, the end, like late 22. So, you know, the films he's watching are, are a lot of those, uh, you know, early, like Laurel and Hardy and, and uh, Three Stooges and, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, guys like that and um, for comedy. But he's, he's also loved the, the, you know, the dramatic as well. And um, so he, yeah, there, there's definitely something there. I, I actually have a, uh, a running um a running dock of notes for whenever i catch anything that was like vaudeville like vaudevillian references and peanuts and yes I, I need to write that someday uh once i feel good at like i've found a good chunk of things but I mean, there's, <laughs> there's actually a lot in there you know when you're you, you start looking at um oh uh harold lloyd harold lloyd yes uh, yes you know uh fellow nebraskan uh and so you know he's got a uh uh, yeah, look at stuff like that and um, uh, Buster Keaton. And, um, oh, those Buster! Because like, because Buster like, still they... holds up. By the way, like you watch, oh, you yeah. watch Buster Keaton movies today, and it's still funnier than half the stuff that I see on TV or in cinema. Absolutely, and and that runs through it, uh, especially in the animations, because you know that was um, actually that's, that's something that's that's interesting about the strip is that we can read Snoopy's thoughts, mm -hmm. but. Snoopy uh, doesn't do that in the animations. And when they first started them, uh, Bill Melendez uh, was talking to Sparky, like, okay, so who's going to voice the dog? He's like, what do you mean? Like, Nobody. He's like, <laughs> how's he going to talk? He's like, oh, he doesn't talk. He's like, but we can read his thoughts in the strips, so isn't somebody going to, like, like, he's like, no, dogs don't talk. 
You know, like, <laughs> duh, guys. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay. So, so that's what they did is they made, you know, Snoopy even more, uh, you know, of a, of, a, of a lively pantomime character mm-hmm. in, in its specials. And, and then uh, and he does make, you know, sounds and noises and, and, and dog sounds. And uh, what's one thing I love about this 2015 film, too, is they didn't get somebody new. Uh, what they did is they actually used archival audio of Bill Melendez doing it. And Bill Melendez, the original animator of Peanuts, I mean, he, he's, been, he's, he's, he's gone now, but um, what's really funny about that is that, uh, so they, they didn't have anybody to voice Snoopy nothing. They weren't really sure what they were even going to do. And so Melendez just got in the sound booth and, and recorded some noises. And then they just kind of laid that into as like a placeholder, you know, while they were doing the animatics and things, I guess. And, and Sparky was like, yeah, that's great. That's perfect. Let's just do that. <laughs> and so <laughs> like perform now. And he's, he's not really like, uh, well, he, he is quite a storyteller. He is, I'm sure he didn't, it didn't put him out too much to have to perform those, those things. But um that's such a cool little nugget, though, and and Jake, yeah. that's right up. That's right, what we talk about all the time, right? Show don't tell. That's ultimately what they did with yeah. Snoopy. Is like we'll we'll be able to understand completely what Snoopy is thinking and what he's after, whether he says words or not. Jake, I you know me, I write down random questions sometimes that pop into my head. I, I had to write this down. So celebrating a standardized test performance does it get any more unabashedly American than that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually just, I, I bit back because I was like, my children don't need my cynicism. But I, I bit back a ton of jokes at that scene about like, oh yeah, this is just so they could get their funding. Uh, yeah, It's so yeah. funny. But, but realistic question though, so, somewhat realistic is I had this thought, does Charlie Brown get credit for inventing Doc Martens? Because the shoes, <laughs> the shoes he's wearing in this movie are clearly and intentionally more quote unquote adulty than he's supposed to be wearing with some of his other kid counterparts. But they look very similar to old school Doc Martens in this movie. Jake, what do you think? I, I think that if he has not received credit, it's time to right the wrongs of history. <laughs> Maybe we could do a new feature in the museum. Benjamin, is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, you, you know, uh, it, yeah, uh, comics and shoes actually do have a history. Uh, you know, Buster Brown uh, had a shoe line uh, back in the, like, 20s or something. <laughs> yeah, see, th- this is a thing. There's precedent. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm not crazy. <laughs> this feels really good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and, and so I guess with this Peanuts movie, like, I think what's important to understand is that whether you're a Peanuts fan, uber familiar with the source material, or you're still relatively new to the arena or somewhere in between, this movie's completely approachable and 100% enjoyable, no matter where you land on that spectrum. And, and Benjamin could probably speak to this even better than I could. The level of difficulty it takes to thread that needle is quite remarkable. And I feel like they stuck that landing. Benjamin, for the sake of your work, and also I'm sure you probably know some members of the Schultz family and everything like that. Are, this is something that they look back on with, with pride? Are, are they pleased with how this performed and how this turned out? Absolutely, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, sharp-eyed viewers may notice that Craig Schultz and Brian Schultz were uh, writers and producers on this film. Uh, Craig is uh, Schultz's son, uh, one of his two sons, and then Brian is Craig's son. So, so he had a son and a grandson uh, write this and um, and produce it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. And and the family is, of course, yeah, they're they're pretty happy with how it how it all turned out. Yeah. That is so cool. So, so cool. And, and just like speaks to the legacy of the whole thing. Jake, what, what was your, what were your, your final ultimate takeaways of this movie? Like it, you enjoyed it. It was a fun watch with your kids. Is this, is this one worth rewatching? Are you, are you recommending this? Like, where do you stand on the Peanuts movie from 2015? I'm absolutely recommending it. And like, I, I don't, you know, I've never sat down and gone through the demographics. I don't know how many of our listeners have kids of their own. I'd assume as we're part of the Geek Dad podcast network that it's at least a few. Um, but, you know, don't, I don't want anybody to feel like you can't watch this if you don't have kids. Because I'm also going to oh, say yeah. that there was something for me personally deeply cathartic at a time where like, and I know this is such a cliche. I know I'm just a drop in the bucket of people saying this right now, but it is a time where there's so much bad going on and there's so much that it's easy to get down about. And there was something just like, and I mean this in the best possible way, there was something incredibly gentle and just sweet and refreshing about this film that it, you know, it brightened my day. And mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I legitimately mm -hmm. laughed several times, not just a dad laugh, but like it entertained me. And I'm I'm 100% recommending it to people. Yeah. Gosh, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. That's that's a great way to tie a bow on that. Um, and and, and, I, and I'm so encouraged by the concept of the, of just this movie's approachability and, and how it celebrates it, the work and how just average viewers can can thoroughly enjoy it as well. Um, Benjamin, as we, we start to wind down here, I, I do want to ask you a question from my four-year-old daughter. She, um, yeah. she, she loved the movie, definitely wants to watch it again and is interested in learning more about Snoopy and the gang. But she asked me on multiple occasions and I didn't have a good answer for her. So I'm going to ask you, Benjamin, mm. why is it called Peanuts when there were not any Peanuts in the movie? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, my, my wow. daughter doesn't. Yeah, I mean, let's. Yeah. Mitch's daughter wants to know. Yeah. Tell Mitch's daughter. Yeah, wow. she doesn't. She doesn't hold any punches back, man. She asks the tough questions. That, There's that definitely is... no grown men here that are really curious as well, for sure. <laughs> well, that's that's a very good question, and a question that fans have been asking for seventy years. <laughs> uh, and the the answer is. Um, when when Schultz uh, got got his you know fame and fortune contract from United Feature Syndicate, uh, and um, they said yes, we're going to do this this project. We like the kid thing you're doing; it's great, very very funny. By the way, your original name, Little Folks, uh, is already under copyright with another cartoonist named uh, Tack Knight who's 3,000 years old and is never going to use it again, but uh -huh. can't be cool. And that's so how, that's like, how it works. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, well, what, are, what, do you, what should we call it? You want me to think of something else? They're like, no, 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 no. No, no, we got, we got somebody who thought of a great name, Peanuts. And Schultz is like, what? <laughs> like, 
Where'd you come up with that? <laughs> I, I got a guy, we bring him in, and all he does is just name stuff, and he's got the perfect one for this. <laughs> yeah, and, and and basically the story goes that this, like, one of the executives at United Feature Syndicate was, like, he apparently had been one of the earliest viewers of the TV program Howdy Doody, and uh, they had a kid's section, uh, you know, like, live children in the studio for Howdy Doody, and, and they, they called it the Peanut Gallery. And to this ad executive at United Feature Syndicate, he's like, oh, that's what they're calling children. Peanuts. And, uh, <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, that's not even true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's what happened. And uh, Schultz hated the name from day one. Uh, and, and, uh, and by the time he was kind of in a position to, to uh, make more demands, let's say, of the syndicate, it was already just too popular and too well known under that name, basically. And and it would have just kind of damaged things to change it at that point. So wow. he, he just kind of stuck. But yeah, he, he did not like the name. And uh, the story that I like to tell that he would have hated if I, if I was telling it in his presence probably is one of his very good friends. Um, uh, at, uh, so so when, when he got that contract, he was, a, he was a, an instructor at, at an art correspondence school. You know, the, the old draw me cartoon, send it in, draw me and send it in to, you know, uh, thing uh, in Minneapolis, and um, he was—he's one of the instructors at that school. And so his friend Jim Sasseville, who was also a, a, a cartoonist, you know, he was Jim was pretty proud, you know, of Sparky to get this thing, and and so he went down to the newsstand when when this news when this comic comes out. He's like, I, I I need a paper. I don't know which one though. I need one that has peanuts. And the newspaper man said, I don't have any with peanuts, and none with popcorn neither. And uh, <laughs> that was, and Jim thought that was pretty funny, haha. Ha. And he came back and told Sparky, and Sparky did not like that story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he said, that's going to be I... a problem. You know, he's like, people are going to think there's a character named Peanuts, there's something to do with Peanuts. Like, what's, why is this, why? So basically, Schultz at some point could have done something to claim the name. He never did. He just left it out there. To mean nothing, because <laughs> he said his most nothing uh, name. He said it was it was um, it was undignified. Was one word he liked to describe it as, which I thought wow. was very interesting. Wow. And uh, he he hated the name Peanuts. Amazing. And so when, and when people would ask him, even like, oh, you're you're the he would like if he was introduced to somebody. And they're like, oh, this is Charles Schultz. And, and, and this person has no idea who Charles Schultz is. You know, he's like, okay, and you, I'm supposed to know you, but who, who are you? He would say, oh, I draw, I draw Snoopy and Charlie Brown. And uh, he never said, oh, I draw peanuts. You know, he would say, I, I draw Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Uh, I love so much that he was as confused <laughs> by it as we are. And I love so much that he, he wouldn't, like he would never bend to the man. Like yeah. <laughs> he went ahead for the rest of his life and was like, screw it. I'm not, I'm not putting a character named peanut in this thing. Yeah. I mean, he introduced lots of characters and yeah, nobody named peanut. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. And the takeaway is that I can go back to my daughter and say, the reason there are no peanuts in that movie is because sometimes adults ruin good things for kids. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the Sundays, uh, if you go back on the Sunday strips um, for Man, I don't know how long he did it. For at least a decade, maybe two, 
uh, it'll say Peanuts featuring good old Charlie Brown. Wow. And that's as close as he got. Yeah. Amazing. That is such, wow. To- totally worth doing this whole bit just to learn that nugget. Thank you for sharing that, <laughs> Benjamin. <laughs> it's like, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gladly. So cool. So, man, Peanuts movie is legit. It's on Disney Plus right now. Y'all definitely need to check it out. Um, but before we kind of close things up here, Benjamin, I definitely want to give you the floor one last time. It has been so yeah. great to have you on. Thank you for sharing time with us, man. I, I cannot adequately word how excited Jake and I are that this turned out as wonderful as it has. But um, is, is there anything else like noteworthy that you want to share about just the Charles M. Schultz um, legacy and, and your work or the movie or anything like that, that, that you want to say and, and anything you want to plug too about the cool work that you're doing and the work going on at the museum? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. The museum is, um, uh, well, we're, we're closed right now, like everywhere else on earth pretty much, but um, <laughs> come I hope you can all come and see us someday. And uh, we have lots of exhibitions um, every year uh, with new, fresh content all the time. And uh, we're doing a ton more online, of course. So uh, you can actually uh, just, I think yesterday, we had a, a, a class on how to draw Snoopy from one of the Schultz Studio artists uh, who actually oh, that's so cool. draws Snoopy that you see on your lunchbox, like, uh, she she's the one teaching you how to do this. So uh, we have lots of online uh, classes and all kinds of really great stuff you can do. Uh, a lot of it's for free. Um, we're, we're just we're giving away the farm right now. So just come check it out. And um, we've got some online exhibitions that are up right now, and we have a lot more on the way. So follow us on the social media channel you love best, and um, uh, Schultz Museum is usually how you can find us. And um, uh yeah that's that should do it that's amazing gosh thank thank you again for just sharing the cool peek behind the curtain on, on the on the wonderful work you get to be a part of and and saluting the legacy of charles m schultz who was just really was a a great wonderful artist who wanted to advocate for the everyman um uh, jake do you do you have any any takeaway thoughts here on, on the movie or, or anything we've talked about I just am really excited. Like, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm, I'm a little older. I have kids of my own, but I'm always excited when there are some timeless things. And I'm excited when there are some things that transcend generations and are just eternally beloved. And I'm psyched that this is still going. I'm psyched that Peanuts and that it's still out there and that there's a following for it, that it still resonates with kids. And, uh, Benjamin, I'm just so grateful for you being on here tonight to talk to us about this. Thank you so much. Oh, so glad. So glad, guys. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Definitely one of our new favorite episodes for the Watching Comics Pod. Thank you, listeners, for jumping on board and and joining this journey with us. It is so great. And uh, be sure to head us up on Twitter. We are at Watch Comics Pod. That's comics with an X at Watch Comics Pod. And we want to know what you thought about the Peanuts movie. And also give uh, Benjamin a shout out. Benjamin, you're on Twitter, right? I am. Uh, You can find me uh, at BL Clark. Awesome. BL Clark. Yes. So hit us all up. We want to hear from you. And of course, thank you so much for listening. If you dug this episode, go out and check out some previous ones. We've got a lot. And uh, if you're feeling extra generous, give us a rate and review on whatever pod platform you find us on. It is a nice thing to do. It'll help other people find us. And if you do that, 
we will give you a lifetime supply of free high fives as soon as social distancing isn't a thing anymore. And shout out to the Geek Dad Podcast Network, a wonderful place to call home. As always, we will be coming at you next week with some more awesome stuff. We'll talk to you then. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.